0: Leanne D'Souza is a facilitator, producer, manager and advocate. She has over 25 years experience in the Australian music industry. Through her work in artist management and events, she's represented various high profile and award winning artists. Leanne is the founder and director of the Rock and Roll Writers Festival, executive director of the Association of Artist Managers, a sitting board member of the Queensland Performing Arts Trust, was a foundation board member of the Queensland Music Network and was a previous Big Sound Programmer.
1: Welcome to Fear at the Top. This is Luke Gergis for the Industry Observer, and today I'm with Leander Souza, a huge experience uh, across the music industry for many, many years. And, you know, I guess, I mean, this is what episode eight or nine of Fear at the Top, um, and it's sort of, uh, I mean, I'm in a spot now where I, I'd just like to ask you, you know, have you noticed anything about the episode so far?
0: <laughs> I think we've, we've sent you a note, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, it's very dominated by our successful entrepreneurial men which is not surprising and there's some fantastic um, examples of business and leadership there but yeah they are all white men.
1: Mm. And and I guess the for those who don't know the framework of the podcast or, or the format is we interview managing directors, CEOs or founders of companies that are publicly listed could be publicly listed or have already sold to a publicly listed company and so this is a this is something that's been quite highlighted in the office like and debated at 7th Street Media <laughs> quite a lot and so it's like hey is the format the problem or has the format highlighted the problem and this is something that we're really wrestling with and um yeah, I guess we're at a spot now where yes, we are probably going to not change the format, but maybe expand it outside of the music industry because you know you look at the music industry and yes, there are there are women that fit that category, but even if we were to to interview all those women and we plan to, you know, you're still only looking at like under ten under mm-hmm. ten women, um, and there's. You know, forty men out there. So the ratio is still—it's even if you interview those women, it wouldn't fix the problem. Mm. And whereas, you know, if we sidestep to say, um, you know, the media industry or the entertainment industry or the tech industry, there's just more women you can count. Like they're everywhere and they're remarkable. So I don't know what, what what's your take on that.
0: I think it's interesting you're going to expand it um, and I agree I think there's some real leading women in those other sectors I also think it's it's like none of this we're not alone in any of this it's not like the music industry exists in a vacuum and we've got all these structural problems um, they're broader than that they're broader in creative industries they're broader in society there's the cultural context all of that um, so I think that that's great mm. and I also think that the music industry you know we've been through that big disruption and the upheaval we're back in a place of sort of optimism it's prime time to actually look sideways both in art and art making and production but also in business that's what i think we music people will learn a lot from those other sectors whether there's more women in them i think some of them yes for sure we can pinpoint and identify some women that fit that criteria mm. um, i think probably in tech it won't be as deep <laughs> Um, potentially, there might in the startup of, there's world. There's a
1: lot of women in tech startups. Yeah, in startup, yeah. but whether
0: they're ready to be publicly listed or mm. you know have have got that or, or survive, mm. but yeah, and there's a lot less barriers to entry in some ways. You know, mm. I think that we've got a lot of baggage in music historically, the way the business has run and been dominated by major companies. Um, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but it's exciting to think that you're going to expand it.
1: What What are those barriers?
0: The barriers to women in business or success. Well, I mean, particularly
1: in music, because if we're mm. looking at the Australian music industry, mm. there is under ten. But you, you know, I look at tech, and I can think of fifteen just without even trying very hard mm. in in Australia.
0: I think too, there's women in Australia that sit on you know shareholders board's mm. um, partners of successful men where it might be the headpiece but the women are just as vital to making mm. that business successful and often they don't have the public face or voice mm. and I think they're sort of not seen and heard as often but I think they're there um, but I think also you think one of the things in business you know Luke and I we've been chatting a lot about this idea of formal and informal power mm. and that sort of you know access to money so whether that's loans buying property you know coming from money money buys resources whether that's people stuff time you know travel to build networks all that sort type of thing and historically um in a broader you know cultural and social political context stuff that women haven't had access to that through you know, whether it's unless it's through marriage or that type of thing so i think we it's all what we're finding less women at the top is still indicative of that History and that structure. So, until the, you know, whether it's that, you know, getting your first mortgage or first bank loan or being able to employ your first staff. Those sorts of things are going to be very difficult for women to be as entrepreneurial um, Mm -hmm. and be perceived that way. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's no – you know, there's that – you know, any decision to have children or step out of the workforce, the impact that has on your business um, is palpable. And and they're not just in skills and access and networks, but then coming back in and trying to rebuild where you're at. So I think there's some of those challenges make it harder for women to get to the top and stay there.
1: So – What would you say, I mean, I I see it as like a a full chain, right? So, you've got um, the education and grooming side of professional development. So, the question is when women versus men come into the early internship stage, are they being groomed for like senior management roles rather Mm. than CEO roles or executive roles that the men might be or is it at the stage of, you know, are women less likely to, get promoted or or fight for a promotion. I think Um, a combination
0: of all that. I think in the music industry, there is still a lot of stereotyping in that intern world, Mm. you know, and that the the women will come in, strong admin, promo, marketing, those type of things, um, customer facing, those sorts of roles, customer Mm. service, all of that, rather than that sort of might not be given with money or data analytics or analysis. Not that they can't do that. I'm not saying that at all. But there is streaming in a sense. Yeah. (laughs) Smaller streaming totally. um, in that way. So I think that mm. would definitely be part of it. And then there's that greater cultural thing that we see a lot talked about, you know, in the feminist movement, etc., that women will often um, – just accept what we're given. We don't speak up as often. There's a lot more fear associated to that. You're sort of grateful if you get given an opportunity. Oh, thank you, thank you. And off you go and you try and do a good job. It's called imposter syndrome. It's mm. sort of all that.
1: Mm. So
0: not sort of advocating for ourselves or fighting for those, the management, the leadership or the professional development in the same way that it's a bit more um, – um, accepted that men do that and it's a much more masculine way of doing things and again in all of this as exceptions you know there's some fantastic women that i've you know particularly young women now that are just really claiming their space and demand know know their worth know their value um so that's really exciting but it hasn't always been like that
1: so what do we do <laughs> like, is the is what are you the, gonna do, Luke? Because I'm looking, I'm looking through, I'm looking through two lenses here. I'm going, mm. okay. Well, one, what can what can men be doing? Mm. But then also, like, yes, there is a scenario where um, women aren't demanding the pay raises that the men are. Women aren't demanding the promotions mm. that the pay are, uh, that mm. the, 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 the men are.
0: You know, and you neither you or I are experts in this. You know, we both read mm. a lot, we absorb a lot, we talk to a lot of people. You know, but there's things that you know you go to academia, the work that's been done about what does work. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two, there are two different sort of strategies there. That one is mentoring is really powerful for women, for all people. But when you look at um, the roles that female mentors have played with women in business, it's also that holistic, about asking for more money, advocating, um, being prepared for the negotiations. A lot of those things like that's part of business, actually getting mentoring and support. So that if you're ambitious, you, you're getting that, you're getting that confidence. It's not. It might be outside the existing workplace.
1: Does it matter if the um, mentor for a woman is a male or female?
0: No, not necessarily. I think I think all I mean I've got quite strong opinions on mentoring, but I do think it's all in the um, setting the expectations of what that relationship's going to be. And really, I mean I've gone through so many different mentors, male, female, young, old. I've had I've had mentors that have been 20 years younger than me and I've had, you know, senior men in the industry, so And I've had women in other sectors, which is interesting. We come back to that. A lot of the female mentors I've had have been not in music. They have been in media, performing arts, government, policy, um, which I think is interesting. They just weren't those senior women that I could go to in the music industry to be mentored by. It was the men.
1: And that comes back to fear at the top. So the discussion we were having internally um, at 7th Street Media was – you know, half the office, um, and I will preface by saying this: that half, more than, nearly seventy percent of the office is female at Seven Street Media. We've got twenty staff, and half the office believed that the format should change to encourage more women in the music industry, and that way it would show more women, and therefore they would we we'd be putting more women at the front, and then that would provide role models for other women in the music industry coming up and the other half of the office believe that the format should change, should stay the same because the format is then we would lose the reason for the podcast but it should expand to outside the music industry so what you would do is you'd gain the benefits of keeping the format um, and providing that unique entrepreneurial MD voice but by going to other industries you can show that women are kicking ass and then there is there is the role models there with out there they're just mm. not in music yet and so you get the benefits of those role models without losing the format and so that's kind of what we're wrestling with internally now
0: the other thing that in there is really at a higher level of the industry, not so much the, the worker and coming through and building careers, but it's like how we value success and power. And I think that's fine for fear to the top to actually, that is valuing entrepreneurial and business success. and But they're very traditional, patriarchal measures of success. And actually, there's other people in the industry that are are hugely successful through much more non-formal power structures. So it could be reputation, networks, um, longevity, flexibility, being able to work across different sectors. They might not go and employ lots of people and have ambitions to become publicly listed companies, but they still actually, as individuals, hold a lot of power and I think that's where there's probably scope to do what Fear the Top does, and there's probably scope for other conversations and other voices that are actually teaching and being what you can't see.
1: I was uh, at, in Austin. Um, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but I was talking to a venture capital founder, um, and he was telling me about this formula, and I. Don't quote me on the statistics, but I believe he was saying that he won't invest in a company unless there's at least 40% women on the board or in senior management um, because he just says the returns are objectively better.
0: Yeah, and that's based on research. So Coopers and Deloitte internationally mm. have done loads of studies and it's something I'm really interested in extracting that and making that accessible for the music industry to understand. But that's where the 40-40-20 stuff comes from, that any decision like board, senior level, staffing, marketing strategists, whatever it is 40% men 40% women and 20% other so it could be gender non-binary it could be men or women but without that mix basically the the decisions aren't made that then can have whether it's an economic or social cultural impact based on those decisions if the, the voices aren't there and it's, it's measurable and you see it in film you know when they finally get the films up you know women's stories made by women acted by women all the people all the women go and see it <laughs> How novel, <laughs> rather than assuming that people don't want to see females in films. You know, I think we get the same a little bit in music. This is sort of assumption that because it's always been like that and women haven't had voices at that top level, but actually the benefit, and we're seeing it in some great Australian music businesses that are benefiting from um, recruiting women and attracting female artists and female managers, etc.
1: And let's talk about the outside of uh, music. Um, right now, I believe again, don't quote me on this, but about thirty, thirty-five percent of songwriters on Aparo are women, um, and there is a strong push for a fifty-fifty quota on radio. So there's a lot of people out there going, "Well, that's shit," because that's like you know you're being like. You know, favorable to women now. It's not a, not equality a because it's so much easier now to be a female artist because there's less females, but there's a you're getting equal share. Um, and obviously, the counter argument to that is, um, well, we need to do that so that there are more female role models in the industry, so eventually there will be 50% of female writers out there and artists.
0: Yeah, it'll organically reflect the population. At the moment, I mean, we're recording this in December. We're in a pretty, it's been a pretty interesting year. Yeah. I think a lot of people sort of feeling it, um, and I think there will be that, well, that's not fair, but the thing is, it hasn't been fair for centuries. You know, men have claimed that space regardless of what it is and had that. So, of course, they're going to feel a bit like, what do you mean? But there's also in Australia, I think we're up against that um, cultural cringe stuff and handout mentality and, you know, you're only as good as doing it for yourself. But. I think that it's interesting, that APRA statistic, and again, like I'm with you, I'm no expert in this, but then you look at the statistics, as I understand it, about the graduates that are playing music, where finished high school or musical literacy through tertiary, it's not translating into them becoming professional songwriters um, or professional well. musicians. So there's a gap. Like if you look at any of the stats around education, music education, it's majority, it's up around 70%, 80% female. Jeez, yeah. but, so what's, what's stopping them? From you know having professional careers, and you know as I talk to people around, I just I just love having chats. Um, but you know there's the confidence to actually go well. There's one thing to learn and study and make music at home. Another thing to leap into being a professional artist. There's also challenges with female with the perception of being the artist versus the songwriter. So there's that and all of that the the, the judgment and the objectification and the image and the pressure that goes on our female artists. I also have a theory that that. Um, economically, so a lot of you look at a lot of the touring solo performers if they're not solo Ed Sheeran, you know, guitar, you know, with a band like an artist that are solo of their name that then have to hire session musicians and visuals and all of that stuff to actually break through through your touring, you're at eco- an economic disadvantage because you've got to have more people on the payroll before you can get paid to invest back in yourself. Yeah. A lot of them are women. You'd think about a lot of our successful female artists, they're not bands and working in groups and sharing the load, they're solo.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So there's that. And then I think then there's the, the confidence, the art side, the pressure on female artists. And then I think also it's that again it's that resourcing and money and making other decisions or having to pay your rent like a lot of other people that then they just don't get those opportunities to be successful in order to make the money in order to keep so for it to organically change. Mm. So I'm a big believer in quotas as a way to force change and I think whatever, get over it, suck it up and in <laughs> in you know, five to ten years the entire Industry will benefit, and it'll be old news, and it'll just be the way things the are quota done. The will
1: be irrelevant. It'll
0: be irrelevant. It will have achieved its purpose. When
1: did you start? Nineteen ninety seven.
0: 1991. I set up my Sail. first business. Yeah. Ninety two, July ninety two, as a booking agent in Brisbane, pre-internet, just and I based on old school sales. I was taught, you know, seven steps of a sale, and I would go around to all the venues and sell music, and learn how, knew how to close a sale and. And did that.
1: So you absolutely crushed it with a lot of your artists and a lot of your your uh, the That's way. Very
0: kind of you. Luke. The <laughs> way
1: you, the way you set it up, right? So the review mirror. And you, and you certainly and you certainly worked with a lot of the majors. Um, and you you were basically you had your fingers in almost every pie, and you still kind of do. Um, what has been. I mean, we have, we have gotten better. We've still got a long way to go, but we have gotten better, I would With say. With gender. Yeah, 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 yeah. What has been the key thing that you feel like has improved things and what is the key barrier right now to improve things even further? Because Wow.
0: Mm. I think on what's improved, it sort of harks back to the baby steps of what I said about the greater narrative of care. I remember in the late, late 90s, my husband's and we've got a successful you know, music tech business, And I was still sort of flirting around management. He got very ill, so I had to take some time off. actually got ill at the ARIA Awards from a communicable disease. Another story. Um, But through that, decided to have children. And as part of that, before I got pregnant, I thought, I'll just see if I can find a mentor that's a female manager, because I was managing by then, who's got children and how they deal with this. Particularly the travel. You know, you really have to do the touring. There's a lot of international travel to set stuff up. and, And there was none the only one was Deborah Conway who was self-managed and a parent. Um, so I had, did have a chat to Deborah at that time. But I think now if you were, you know, a 27, 28-year-old thinking about having a baby, married for a year or two, um, you would look around and there are men and women that value being a parent and the family and the connection. I think social media has helped that too, you know. It's not like you kids had to be locked away. Was I felt a lot of pressure – to not acknowledge that I'd had them, to ignore them, to put them away, to not, you know. Um, unspoken pressure? Unspoken pressure. So if I had to do a t- teleconference and the kids were there, I mean a music industry exec that I put on my blog said, what is it you people will breed? Would oh. say things like that and I would never felt comfortable taking my children on tour or to a festival. I was working. I was on my A game. Um, so that was I think now, what? my was my, my daughter now, 17, so that's changed. You know, I got, went to a music festival on the weekends and the CEOs and the wives are there with the kids and the, yeah, you know, I'm artist kidding. managers yeah. with kids. and my daughter at festival. Yeah, and the yeah. kids know each other and, yeah. you know, so I think that has got to have some benefits to the industry. And I even know, you know, working with the labels, when someone will go, well, I'm, I can't come in today, I've got to look after my kids because my wife's got in court, you know, meaning a lawyer. Not going to court. You just kind of accept it. Yeah, that's okay. We'll reschedule that. There's no judgment. So I think that's really positive. You know, I still wouldn't advocate having kids running around the workplace, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) Um, Some of my friends would. Um, As far as what's still getting in the way, and I think, again, this is all, I mean, it's like talking to an open wound at the moment on the back of Me Too and Me No More. Um, It is sexual harassment, but it's not just the typical definition of harassment being, you know, the touching, groping, borderline stuff but it's that being sidelined in conversations it's still I'll go to a conference and I'll be in a conversation with you say and a male music person will come up and just ignore me because he wants to talk to you and I, I could walk away and you wouldn't have even acknowledged that I've left that conversation and that shit happens all the time and so those sort of much more subtle um, unconscious bias behaviors I think men have to start to notice that in themselves so if you and I are having conversation someone wants to interrupt that which happens all the time but just say oh excuse me look the woman in the eye and just say I won't be a minute I just need to chat to Luke fine it's respectful you know and then you can decide do you want to interrupt where having a great conversation do you want to interrupt to talk to him or you might go i oh, actually mate i'll get i'll be with you in a minute that stuff still happens like last week happens so i think until the those little individual in, you know the individual men actually call themselves to account on those unconscious bias their language their body language we still got a long way to go to feel that we're participating equally and being valued equally Um, that's my opinion
1: it's really interesting because if you look at like the extreme examples of say Weinstein and Bill Cosby I mean that shit's just straight criminal right and then you go you scale it back a bit and you look at what Louis CK did right That's just fucking dumb. Like these, like some men just don't know how to behave. That's not normal. That's fucking weird, unnormal shit. And it's like, and then you go into what you just spoke about, interrupting conversation, not acknowledging women. That's just like fucking. This guy's got no idea, right? So, you know, I I I think what the me too and the me no more stuff's very important to call out these scumbags and address it and say that it's not okay is important but I love the idea about education because the person who interrupts you and speaks to you maybe he's just got no fucking idea and, maybe- you know, and this
0: happened to me at a program launch at a major festival two months ago it was actually the weekend before the Weinstein blew up so yeah, it's really yeah, interesting yeah. in hindsight and that exact situation happened and I and it took me courage and this is again it's educating me now on what other women could do, should they choose? But I sat there. I got really angry. I thought I walk away, and I thought no, I walk back. I let them finish. I let them. Then I went back to my the original conversation I was having and said, "I'm really sorry." That I didn't say sorry. Tried not to <laughs> apologize. Um, I said that made me. Re-, well, I know. I, I know what I said. I said, "Why is that conversation with that man any more important than the one you and I were having?" And he said, it's not. And I said, well, it made me feel that it was because you ignored me. You didn't introduce me to him. He didn't even look at me. And that shit's got to stop. And that was the Saturday evening. And then on the Sunday, he came and sought me out at the event and just said, I really want to thank you for saying that. I've never noticed that. And I, that's a terrible way to behave in the middle of a conversation. I'll never do it again. So, 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 you know, it's education, but it's also got to take the courage of the woman to do the lifting yet again and call it out rather than one of those men should have noticed that it just happened. Um, and then for that man to know himself well enough and be emotionally intelligent enough to reflect on it and go, yeah, that sucks. I shouldn't have done that. Um, And, you know, I think we've got, there's a lot, and that is emotional intelligence. And you can study that at Harvard Business School, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like if you want to be a successful business person, you have to have emotional intelligence. So I think a lot of that is self-education too. Mm. Mm.
1: Do you worry about um, there being an overcorrection with all of this? Me too. Me no more. Like, do you feel like what's
0: an overcorrection? What do you uh, mean? I'm
1: talking about the people who are on the fence about it, you know, or whatever. They think, oh, maybe it's not such a big deal. And men or women, men, Mm. um, who think it's not a big deal, um, or maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And then there's this been this rightly so this massive expose of all this nonsense. Um, Do you feel like it's going to? You know, you know, even the yes vote. If you're talking about the yes or no vote, there was a lot of people who are on the fence, and they just got pissed off with the yes voters, so they voted no out of yeah. out of protest. Do you worry that that might happen?
0: I've, <laughs> there'll be a backlash, Luke, and there'll be there'll be people that refuse to accept it and won't want to give up their power. And you know what? I just, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, I've had to put up with that. That's how I sit with that. I firmly believe that you know, I'm very value based. I, I've very strong, I've got very strong core values. I choose to live my professional and personal life by those. So I don't really care. I, but I I do think there'll be, of course, there'll be some pressure. I mean, I happened on my Facebook wall with good, you know, artists, white male artists that I respect and, you know, and I get it and they're going to feel fear. But actually the benefit of all of this, once we're through the upheaval and it's like when the digital crash happened everyone was so frightened and people were I mean people were losing their jobs and their money and their houses and people act weird but you get through it and we're in a place of optimism again and I think if if the pendulum swings yes people go it's gone too far the other way I don't care hey I might benefit for a while that'd be amazing nice that change. took 50 years <laughs> um, but then it, I think the world will be a better place and maybe that's a bit ideological in the music industry it will be a better place if women are at the table and we're working together and people are respected and people feel safe you know people can work on their A game they're not having to worry about all of that um you know, HR departments might be able to do professional development that's good instead of dealing with complaints. Like, I do think that whatever, let them whinge, but the benefits long term will outweigh that backlash. You know, meanwhile, if there's some bloke at a networking function that doesn't, you know, I'm a bit of a kisser on the cheeker, <laughs> I'm a, you know, for people that I know, I'll say good day. I'm a sort of half handshake, half kiss on the cheek, they all get weirded out by that, that, you know, we're not supposed to touch each other anymore. I think it's their problem. We have to be grown-ups in this as well and be who we are so we'll see
1: tell me about mega
0: mega on the record (laughs) you don't have to no i can i'd like to i think it's Mm. it's you know um so mega is an acronym for music equity group for action um it's just a bit snappy we just came up with that um and it's a bit of a lot i mean i been in the game now the music industry for a long time I've got lots of very broad relationships with different people and being based in Queensland is always it's an extra hurdle to keep your networks alive I talked about this recently you have to make that effort nationally when you're in Sydney Melbourne everyone's sort of in your in your face anyway so kind of through that over a long time none of these conversations about sexual harassment are new you know I published a blog in 2014 about it you know so it's been sort of nothing's really new the Weinstein just you know ripped the band-aid off globally um So, through from about August, there was a bit of frustration, I think, with the women that have been around a long time, um, that the conversation wasn't moving from a deficit, what's wrong, and things suck, and there's not enough women, and there's no women on the ARIA board, and that's all fine, and it's all true and relevant, but actually, there's a lot of good stuff happening too, and I'm I'm an optimist, and I really believe in strength-based approaches, and I, I really wanted to find a way... And with my role with the AAM, it afforded me the chance to travel nationally and just start to start having deeper conversations with people, particularly female managers, um, label, government, all sorts of people, and sort of thought so, yeah well there is a positive story happening here and there's some great stuff happening in Perth there's great stuff happening in Brisbane how do we get a national connection so basically quite informally it ends up with a bit of a group about 10 12 of us that through between the uh, Music Australia Roundtable Conference in August and Big Sound in September um, there was some closed door sexual harassment stuff going on So we sort of advised on that process, um, Levi's stuff blew up online. So it sort of gave us cause to all talk to each other for the first time nationally instead of just being in your own world. So that was very informal. And then on the eve of Big Sam, we met, and it's men and women. It's not just women. People that basically valued equality, inclusion, diversity and respect and went, oh, well, let's see what happens and start a Facebook group as a way to communicate this platform, these um, these values. And there's three key action platforms that have come out of research around equality generally, which is advocating for um, equality in the highest decision-making, which is boards and senior management um, championing new voices. So that can be, yeah, writers, artists, it doesn't have to be young, it can be young, but it can also just be new. And also what's working. So if something's really working somewhere, get this... Let, what, why did that work? Let's apply that over here or what can I learn in my business from that working in your business, that type of sharing? So we did it, crossed our fingers. I mean, the, it, none of us are um, sort of internet, you know, moderating in that space. It, it really is. But part of the premise of it, it was about individual accountability. So be for me, and there's everyone involves, thinks differently and does their own thing but for me I have a convers- I won't sign I won't invite a man to join it till I've had a one-on-one conversation we've looked in the eye and I really believe that they're committed to making some individual change in their own way to further the cause of equality in the music industry and then I join them so it's really it's you know it's a little bit of a bottom-up movement for social change um, and it's just sort of, yeah gathering its own momentum
1: so, how can people get in touch with you?
0: Just look for it, Mega Music Equity Group of Action and request to join. Or reach out to me, or you know, there's I think there's three hundred odd members now. So it's all the, pretty much all the main CEOs of the companies, the main decision makers, any men and women on, on boards, um, and a lot of artists. Hmm. What do you- it is? I must stress, it's informal. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's not an organization. It's not funded. It's just a people that want that do believe that um cultural change happens through individual action
1: are you optimistic about the next year two years
0: um in which way
1: about equality
0: Probably, probably, it's about. It's but I'll probably ask me in a couple of months. I sort of, I think I probably am because I'm always an optimist, and I have children. I have a seventeen-year-old daughter and a fourteen-year-old boy, and I hope their professional lives are different, to what, and I think they will be. So in that way, and I'm, I'm so inspired when you talk to young people about this, and you know the, uh, the way they can articulate it, and they're informed, and. I think so I am I suppose it's the answer to that I am I am excited I think as far as the Australian music industry goes we're going to have to go through some growing pains but you know bring it on
1: Leanne thank you so much for your time um it's actually really really uh helpful and insightful I mean I'm I'm learning as much as everybody is um and uh I think if we can keep this dialogue going we'll get there
0: I think so and it's, it is a long game and it's, you know, our industry will benefit, our culture, Australia will benefit, you know. It's, um, it's worth it.
1: Thank you so much.